Hey, Rockville. This is Susan Pittman. I'm in the garage with Jamie Espinoza. How's it going, Jamie? Yeah, it's good, Susan. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's good to be back. Yeah, lots to uh, catch up on. Yeah, definitely. Today, we have Chris Landers, a ceramic artist and arts-based business owner here in Rockville. Hey, Chris, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself and about Clay Co-op? Sure. So we've been open since uh, 2016. Um, I'm originally from Gaithersburg, and um, I've, I've always loved Rockville. I've been back in the area since uh, maybe 2014, kind of did some moving around, and it always felt like home here, so I'm glad to be back. We're glad you're here. But tell us a little bit about the Clay Co-op. So the Clay Co-op is a ceramic studio, and it was really founded out of the need for studio space. So when I moved back to the area, I had a really hard time finding a place to work. And um, the ceramics uh, business is challenging to run out of your house. And so um, I really needed a space, so I looked for studio space in Rockville and wasn't really able to find anything. And so... I started my own business and um, subdivided a warehouse space on North Stone Street Avenue and rented to a couple other ceramic artists. And now we're here today with a classroom and uh, studio spaces and a wonderful, thriving community. That's great. I've been to a, an opening at your studio, not not in a while, but it was a lot of fun and a really great crowd and, and great pots. So. Yeah. Um, so talk to us a little bit about the art scene in Rockville. Um, so Rockville has a really wonderful community. It's diverse. It is intelligent. It is um, open-minded. Um, and we have a lot going on. You know, there are a bunch of art organizations in the area, maybe not directly within the city, but we have VizArts. We have um, artists and makers. We have ourselves. There's a music studio called Bones Jones on North Stone Street Avenue, and so there's a lot going on. I don't think a lot of people know, you know, what what exactly is happening here. I think you're right. I think there's lots of cool stuff that happens beyond the weekend arts festival, which is a really great festival. But I think there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, it is a great festival, but yeah, yeah there's more. Yeah. Um, so you have an arts based business. What are some misconceptions about that like uh, some people might say well the arts is not a business or that kind of thing what what do you have to say about that well it's really interesting because um the arts sector of the market i think is um is a really vibrant sector and i think that they're one of the most wonderful things about rockville which i was just talking about is the population of people here so there seems to be educated intelligent um you know lots of science, lots of tech, and those people tend to like to do things to relax and to unplug and to work with their hands. And, you know, the more and more technology comes into our life, the more we want to, you know, make things and kind of go back to, you know, gardening and baking and making things and art. And so, you know, there's a lot of demand for that. And so there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of opportunity for creative businesses and they're just that businesses, you know, that generate income. And um, this is a really great community to do that within. There are definitely challenges, but 
it's a great community. Sure. Yeah. You know, I was um, looking at your website earlier and you've got a mission statement and a set of core philosophies that if read or talked about out of context could be any business. I mean, it is, you are legitimately running a business. It's not just, I think people have a feeling that art should be free or that, it, you know, I, I don't, I don't, that it shouldn't be, um, that it's incongruous with a business model, and it's not. That's very true. Yeah. One of the most interesting things is this is one of the only businesses where you may do, uh, you may profit more with the perception of the starving artist. People love to support the starving artist, but what about the artist who's thriving? You know that that they still need. You know that we still have to grow and we still have to evolve. Right, normalizing art yeah. as a just part of our lives. We go, you know, you're out doing your biweekly grocery shopping, and maybe you stop by the bakery and the pottery studio. Yeah. So, so can I ask? Did you ever work in the art industry before you became a business owner? I did. I ran. So I, um, my husband was a chef prior to becoming an MCPS teacher. And so we moved all over for opportunities for him to learn his craft. And in doing that, I worked in the public school system in Florida. And I also worked for numerous private organizations that did either after school programs or primarily working with kids and teens. And then as I, my skill set grew and my um, passion for teaching grew, I expanded into teaching adults. And now I'm primarily teaching adults. So this, so that sets up my second question, which since you have familiarity with other cities and counties and states and jurisdictions and how they do business with you know, uh, an art business, what does Rockville do right? What does Rockville do wrong? Like you start, start looking for a studio and just kind of starting from the ground up. How is Rockville helpful and how is it not helpful? Yeah. So from the helpful part, the, you know, we, we can't have a business without a customer base and Rockville has a fantastic customer base. I mean, the people are interested. They are, you know, um, you know, really active in finding things for, you know, to kind of take care of themselves. And, um, you know, the city of Rockville has been incredibly welcoming to an arts-based business you know when we were applying for our occupancy permits you know we're sort of I, I remember talking to the woman on the phone she was so incredible and she read me this list of things that my business could be and it was none of those things <laughs> and she really helped me she helped me apply for a variance and zoning I mean they they really bent over backwards to help me to be able to conduct business within the city of Rockville. Um, yeah, and so it's been a really, really wonderful place to be. And Stone Street Avenue, where we are, is just, it's a hidden gem. Uh, it's a little off the beaten path, but it's in the middle of everything. Uh, and I love it here. Right. Yeah. Um, so describe your art a little bit for our listeners who aren't gonna go, you know, um, potentially to your website and they sure. just kind of have an image of what we're talking about. Yeah, so I make primarily um, tableware, so um, coffee cups, dinner plates, uh, serving ware. Uh, I'm very interested in food. I mentioned that my husband had been a chef, still is a chef, um, but not professionally anymore. And um, 
So I'm very interested in daily ritual and, you know, ways that I can improve that through handmade objects. No, no, right. So let's talk about that a little bit. Mm Because that's, so where I'm interested in, and I've discovered over the last few years, because I have friends who are artists, and in my mind, you know, in my 20s and 30s, art was paintings, right? Like, it's paintings, people go to art, I don't get it, whatever, right? I lived in Minneapolis, which has a modern art museum. My wife takes me, is all excited. I look at it, I'm like, I don't get it. But recently, I was at a dinner, and somebody had a cool bowl that they were serving salad in. And I looked at it, and I was like, oh, that's a really cool bowl. And they were talking about how they made it. And then I realized in conversations with them, oh, that's art too, but it's functional. And that's the kind of, I guess, Mm -hmm. art that I like is like, oh, that's a cool table, or that's a cool statue, or that's a cool fork or can opener. And so I don't know that people make that connection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, to kind of go down that path, I was raised by um, a teacher and an engineer, and so I'm a very practical person, and but I'm also uh, creative and interested in making things. And so when I started kind of on my journey into art, I was really interested in utility and things that, you know, um, I could use and that you could really tailor to a specific thing and that they could be made specifically for you. And so ceramics is tactile, it's engaging, and it's as fun to do as it is to use after it's made. And so I I really enjoy making, you know, cups that have a handle that really, you know, is balanced well when it's full of coffee or the way that the lip of the cup meets your mouth, um, you know, is really, really important to me. And it's through use that people discover that, you know, you can go to Target or you can go to Kmart and you can buy a cup for $3 or maybe less or maybe more. But, you know, most people can afford to purchase a singular cup from an artist and really live with that thing every day. And we're willing to spend a lot of money on things um, that we use every day, but somehow the utilitarian object sometimes gets overlooked by the general public as something that could really bring value to your life. Right. Can I ask real quick about like the raw materials that go into your business? And I ask this, and I should have asked my neighbor before here. I have a neighbor who does pottery. I think she has, and the reason I know this, she has a stack of wood. And I asked her, like, how come you have so much wood? Lauren Sherback is your neighbor. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> we got her? a whole yeah. conversation about it. And so, like, just your business, like, what are the raw materials that go in? And I'm asking yeah. this because my in-laws came to visit recently. And they went and they had to go buy wood. And they're from Minnesota. And that was like a shocking revelation to them. Because in their state, people pay people to take wood away. (laughs) And so to spend money for wood was just shocking. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So I use a white stoneware that is commercially produced. It is the, all the raw materials are mined within the United States. We're having some supply chain issues right now. So hopefully it stays that way. But, um, yeah, I use a white stoneware clay. I make all of my materials. I get all of my raw materials from a supplier, and then I make all of my raw materials. So I'm combining, just like the way that you would go to the store and you would buy flour, eggs, water, you know, whatever, to bake something. I'm buying all those raw materials, and then I'm combining them together in a very specific formula for my own work, which is tailored to be very durable for daily use. So it's um, incredibly tight clay body which means it doesn't absorb a lot of water um, and the glaze is a very very strong 
glazed so that it's not marred by flatware, tableware, uh, you know, knives and forks or things like that. I'm going to go back to something you said about function, but also about ritual and connection. I have, Dave and I have just a few coffee mugs. We don't have that many, but all, all but two of them were made by people we care about and people who came in and are still in our lives, or maybe they came in and left. But it's when I get up in the morning, I get up very early and I make the coffee and I pour the coffee and I put the coffee on the table. It's not just like, oh, I got to have my caffeine. It is how I begin my day. It is almost, and I, I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but it is almost a form of prayer. It is almost a form of, I don't think, I just get up and I do, and the house is quiet and it's pretty dark. So I think you, you've you done a terrific job of focusing on like the function, like these are functional things, but there's a little bit more to it when you're buying something that is handmade by someone in your community, someone in your life. So you wanna, do you wanna talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I totally agree with everything you just said. And it goes, it kind of starts from the way that I sell my work. I sell my work primarily at in-person sales where my husband and I are kind of like, we joke that we like sling, you know, pottery you know and um it that starts the story of that object you know people will come to these events whether they're in dc or they're in my own studio or they're in a pop-up place in someone's backyard or in a street fair or street festival and the story starts there the story starts with interacting with the consumer talking to them about what gets me excited about making the objects out of clay and why i'm making the decisions i'm making and then i love to hear you know their interpretation of how they would use this object like you know i make these sort of strange shaped plates and one time uh, a young woman bought one of these plates and she sort of like, I asked her like, oh, what are you going to use this for? You know, and she's like, I don't know if I should tell you. And I was like, oh, no, please tell me. And she's like, I'm going to put my retainer on it every night. And, you know, I thought that was awesome. Mm -hmm. Like this plate is going to be this thing where like she takes off and puts on this thing that she uses every day. And I'm honored to kind of be the person that is playing that, you know, that's making the object that's playing that role. Um, I don't know if I answered your question or not, but yeah, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. It, it's I think there is something about elevating the everyday and finding what's special in those quiet moments. It's not about like the big things. We can't all afford to go to Disney every year or do these big wild Instagram things. But almost all of us get up in the morning and make a cup of coffee or tea. A lot of us take our retainers out at night. Or we, yeah. I was telling you, I have one of your little dishes. I keep my keys in it. So I come in after work, and I have my little, my pretty little, little odd-shaped dish, and I put my keys in. And then when I leave, that's the last thing I say I see before I leave the house is I take my keys out of this little piece of artwork. So I, there's something about incorporating art into your everyday that makes it makes your day more special every day more special not just you don't just have special days you have special moments every day so i, I does think anybody that's buy coffee cups i asked because it's because what you said that and i thought back to myself and i was like i'm pretty sure all my coffee cups were gifts i don't think i've ever bought a coffee cup I, uh, some of our coffee mugs we bought from friends who were had their work at a gallery sure, or sure. at a festival right. some of them though were like i have this wonderful one of my very favorites it's a smaller mug right. and when i was vice president of the league of women voters in comal county the president 
she was president for several years, her husband was a potter. And so one year she gave all of us a special mug and like she talked about why she was why that mug reminded right but she went and shopped her husband's studio and gave and so I've got a few like that that were like when I had made for David by a friend of ours right. and so that's that's but you see what I'm saying is I would be surprised that many people have like a set like you know what I mean I guess when yeah. you're younger maybe you buy a set but like people give those as gifts so oh often, yeah yeah right? right but who who's got a set of matching mugs right. I don't know right. yeah 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 so. they yeah Mine, right. mine don't. I mean, none of ours match, but so, obviously. So does Rockville provide enough opportunities to sell, like, uh, where... And I ask this because I go to a lot of the events as Susan does as well, and I, I, I have the sense that Rockville does, but maybe I'm wrong, right? Because there's always vendors selling crafts, you know? Yeah. So, no. There are definitely a lot of opportunities within the community to, you know, do, uh, like vending opportunities um but bigger than that i think that there is um a demographic of people who are interested in those elevated objects and so whether i'm going and vending at you know the the rockville art festival which i haven't done admittedly but um i can you know cultivate a group of people to come to my studio and look and purchase objects um, so I do think that there is ample opportunity for the sales of handmade objects. So I know my wife in the past has done like uh, woodworking shops. I think there's one or two here and they she's gone and she's made like a table and she's done that. Do you offer that kind of opportunity for people to go and like learn, take a class? I know you mentioned classes. But yeah, to like definitely. Work in, in the studio. How does that work? Yeah. So we offer classes at different levels and I, I sort of joke that it's sort of a ceramic incubator because our end goal would be to hopefully we don't have endless amount of space but would be to sort of educate people to a level where they are self-sufficient and they have the ability to do what they'd like to do and they can use our space to do that but so we offer everything from an intro class which is four weeks long and you come in and you basically learn the foundations of how to use the wheel or how to hand build in clay and then from there, there's opportunity all the way up to the established artists coming to hone their skill, you know, on a very specific technique like image transfer or glaze formulation or different things like that. And so we offer this wide spectrum of educational opportunities within our space. So just to be very specific, would it be easy for someone who wants to give a gift like, you know, like a unique gift like, hey, wife or spouse or, you know, friend? Do you make that easy for someone like if I were to call you up? Like, hey, I'd like to purchase this for somebody. So yeah. it, the so this is a blessing and a curse because um, clay is having a moment right now, and it is very very popular. And our class is one of the things I pride myself on is our teacher to student ratio. So we have one teacher for every eight students within our class. So our classes are pretty limited, and so I don't sell gift certificates or things like that because. I feel that it, there's somewhat of a competitive nature to enroll into the classes. Right. And so unfortunately, that makes for a really poor experience for the person receiving a gift certificate and then trying to register for those classes yeah. and then having trouble, you know, maybe having trouble doing that. Depends on your schedule. Daytime classes are much easier to get people into than evening classes or weekend classes, which lots of people who work a traditional nine to five schedule really want to enroll in those evening or weekend classes. Right. But um, 
you we have an email list and so what I do is I tell people to join our email list and the only thing that we send out are our class schedules and as long as you enroll in the classes within like 24 hours of when we release our class schedule it's pretty reasonable to be able to get a space in the class it's when the class schedule has been out for a couple weeks you know all those classes have you know those popular time frames have filled up and now there's the Tuesday class that runs from 10 a.m. to 12 30 that's available that you know, retirees or people who work in a, you know, a job that has some flexibility can do, but not everybody can do that. One of the things we talk about a lot is Rockville as a part of a larger region. And how, where does Rockville fit in with the DMV art scene? How are, where are we on that spectrum? How are we doing in that regard? Yeah, so I think that, um, Rockville has a strong foundation with VizArts, which is a community-based arts organization, and they have really incredibly ga- incredible gallery space that's utilized by a lot of artists in the Maryland, D.C., Virginia region. And so that gives us a little bit of a foundation. People know where Rockville is. I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but our restaurants are also like every, if I tell someone I'm from Rockville, I have a business in Rockville, oh, I love Bob Shanghai or, you know, whatever it is, you know, that's what they know. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think that we do have a lot to offer the community here, but Another amazing thing about Rockville is its accessibility to all of these larger arts organizations within, you know, the D.C., Maryland and Virginia area. We have the ability to see world class gallery space with Smithsonian. We can visit the collections um, at the Freer Sackler. We can go down and actually handle pieces of ceramic that are in their collection for free. It's part of what they offer us. You know, their Gateway Arts District in um, PG County is a thriving arts community where there's a lot more studio space available, but we're very accessible by car metro to that area. And so, you know, this area has so much to offer, you know, as a place to live. It's really unbelievable. I'll I'll never leave. Yeah. That's fantastic. So when you have a day off, which as a business owner, I'm sure there aren't that many, but when you have a day off, where do you like to go look at art? Yeah, so I tend to, you know, we have recently had um, a large art facility open in Potomac that's privately owned. It's called Glenstone. Mm -hmm. It's a really great place to fill your kind of creative tank and to kind of see some really amazing things that are kind of uh, out of the traditional gallery sense. I love all of the Smithsonian, um, you know, galleries. There are some really wonderful um, art spaces in D.C. that are like small galleries that do individual artist exhibitions. And so if you sort of there's two um, two websites or two mailing lists, East City Art, which is a D.C. based um, kind of like uh, arts newsletter. And then I, I'm not sure if they're still active, but the Pink Line Project was another one that was like, they sort of were like the uh, go-to for the happenings in the D.C. area um, for, you know, gallery openings. And things have changed a lot since COVID. And even, you know, you had mentioned that you came to an opening at our space. We used to throw these like parties We had an annual exhibition called Proximity, which was all ceramic artists working in the D.C. area that were applicable to present, you know, to um, put something in. And it's just been really difficult, you know, to 
kind of recover from um, the pandemic and to get the, you know, it takes a lot of effort and it doesn't generate a lot of revenue to do these exhibitions. And so you really need to know that you're going to get traction in doing them. And so it's been hard to get back on the bandwagon of doing those events um, since since the pandemic. Yeah, there does seem to still be some reticence to like put on real pants and go out after work or in <laughs> the it, evenings. It, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh. So Rockville does have a public art program. In East Rockville, we are notorious. I can say this because everyone in town knows we feel this way. East Rockville has the squash blossom, and yeah. we kind of universally dislike it, although we love it. I mean, it's our it's our public art, and we love to hate it. So what um, – we have a, a great arts commission and all that, but not money, right? We don't have the, the funding to put in significant public art. So – where how do we how do we kind of jazz that up a little bit do you is that i don't know if that's a specialty of yours or if that is something you can speak to and i don't mean to put you on the spot with that because that's kind of digressing from yeah i i'm not a professional on that or, or someone that's qualified to answer that but i'm very interested in becoming involved in what that looks like you know, I do, back to the public art, you know, Rockville City has a map of like 50 publicly accessible art installations within the city limits, I think. Mm-hmm. And what a great resource that we have. Yeah. You know, if you took a day, you know, to kind of go and take a walk and see how many of them you can hit and whether you like them or dislike them, they're still, it's an interesting thing that's happening and they've sort of... I. I think that I'm correct in this, that they've sort of incentivized developers to put these things in as part of their development plan. Um, and so I think if you, I don't know if there was a way to sort of, and I don't know anything about it, but to sort of like manipulate that into art spaces or artists, you know, like live workspaces. We were talking about that a little bit before we went on the podcast about, you know, a vacant space that could, you know, could be interesting for like a live workspace. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the answer to where that funding comes from or how you generate it, you know, but I'm, I'm very interested in it. Yeah. I, um, when my, when our son was looking at colleges, we looked at Princeton, that was the reach school. Um, and they have an art alley right across the main entrance to the campus. And at the time, and they change out the exhibit. Are you familiar with this? No, but that sounds awesome. It's between these two old buildings and you walk through it and there are things to touch and look at and hear. And it was amazing. And I have been a little bit obsessed with it since then. Like if I win, if I ever have money, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to put it in. I'm just going to fund it. I'm just going to come see you and Billy and say, Billy, I need noise and sound. And Chris, I need you to figure out what it should look like. But it's it's there. It's got its own little nonprofit, yeah. and it was so cool. I'm thinking, you know, of all the different places we could put something like that, and how accessible it is. Because if you are visually impaired, you can touch and hear. I mean, any it was. It's awesome. That's it's, really cool. It was very cool. I it think was, Rockville has like a little semblance of something like that in the gallery space that is on 355 in the base of the garage. At, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's like I always enjoy, you know, when I'm running out to get a coffee or something to when I drive by, I get to see like a different art exhibition in this enclosed space, 
you know, and I can see it from my car. I don't have to, you know, I would love to get out and look at it closer, but I can also see kind of what's happening and what's going on in that space. True. So a question, since you're on North Strong Street, without going too much into like planning issues, and Susan, you can speak to this better than I can. What is the feature of North Stone Street? Just for listeners now, I used to live behind El Carbone right there. And so I'm very familiar with North Stone Street. And the whole time I lived there until now, people talk about the future of North Stone Street and how awesome it's going to be. And going to be seems to have been, you know, a decade now. And it's awesome, but people are always talking about the future. I so what is, yeah. how, what do you envision? And what what is the future of North Stone Street? Yeah, is kind of like the question I have because I know just, there's a plan. Just for our listeners, they're yeah. both looking at me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you're right. Since uh, you and Kim and Dave and I move and Matt moved to England Terrace in 2013, it's oh, it's developing. Oh, it's redeveloping. I think every realtor in the DMV has sold property. Who has sold property in that area has sold it based on the fact that North Stone Street's going to be redeveloped and it's going to be an arts district and all this blah blah blah. So I don't know. That's the que- that's the thing. I I think we have been told that um, I think I don't think it's a secret that MCPS has um, is moving or has moved, and so there. Bye bye, bus depot. Yeah, yeah, so there can be some some there's there's some. Uh, uh, availability there's some flex on north stone street now yeah. and so what would you like to see yeah so you know it's so interesting as an arts-based business that the idea of it being zoned as an arts district scares me a little bit you know it is um i i ultimately would love that but i north stone street avenue is this little pocket of like i'm gonna put up air quotes for all the people who can't see me of like lower rent space and so that's in, why in, in the heart and just to share it for people that really don't know it's right next to the rockville metro yeah and it's hilarious that it's considered lower rent space because literally if you walk less than a quarter of a mile to town center it's probably some of the highest yeah rent space yeah. so it's it just it just blows my mind yeah. when people say this yeah. but go ahead but yeah. so that's why i have the ability to have a warehouse space within there that i can make pots and i can create tableware out of and so i worry that as that space develops and becomes like cool that I will, the authentic person who's been, and I only say that because I've been there since 2016, is going to be like kind of the first person pushed out because it will incentivize my landlords to improve the spaces even more and then charge, and then in theory charge more in rent. And so, you know, one of the things that I've looked at from the Gateway Arts District, and nothing is perfect, but a lot of the, I guess I shouldn't say a lot, some of the artists within the Gateway Arts District have been able to purchase the space in which they operate out of. And I think that's so important for community building. When you can invest in a space and you can really feel like you're eating at the table with everybody else versus renting and having this like uncertainty of your future within the community that you're working so hard to build, um, you know, that is worrisome. And, And so I moved in in 2016. I had a reasonably short term lease for a commercial lease. It was still a pretty long lease. And when I went to renegotiate a long-term lease, I really looked at the opportunity to purchase commercial real estate within Montgomery County. Well, as a lot of the listeners would guess, it's incredibly expensive and almost impossible. I found that 
You can't do 30-year fixed rate loans. You have a 10-year high interest loan. Even if you go through some of the banks that specialize in these small business loans, it's very, very challenging to obtain funding to purchase space. And when I look at my cost, you know, my operating cost every month, it's a tremendous amount of money. Like I really should be able to invest in this thing for my future. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And, you know, but it, it's essentially impossible. So when I think about the development of North Stone Street Avenue, I think it would be incredible if they develop, you know, this MCPS depot into mixed use space. And they did maybe some like, if, if they truly want it to be an arts district, maybe they, you know, have these com these small, like the equivalent of like an MPDU of commercial space for these creatives that are already active, you know, and they basically say, here's your seat at the table, you know, for, you know, we will fund you for this amount of time, you know, for this space so that you can have a business here that has longevity. You know, and that's a dream. You know, I, I don't know how viable that is. I don't know much about the back, you know, how it how it works from the government side or from the city's planning side. But that's what I would love. I just know that we have arts, really cool arts based businesses within a very short walk of the metro and a very short walk of town center. And it really seems like North Stone Street is a natural for like a town center too, or a town, you know, that kind of thing. And that it, there's some linkages that we're missing out on. Um, and you're right. I think um, we will have this city we are willing to fund, right? And willing to work for. And if that means that, and we need to look at these, at small businesses, single proprietorships and smaller businesses as an opportunity to enhance our city and diversify our, our corporate base, our business base, right. tax base. Right. No, no, great points. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking, I was going to ask him, how do I recreate the scene from a ghost? Like, you get that a <laughs> if lot. I, if I got a dollar. <laughs> I, I was assuming, no, because he told, right, he told me what it was. Anybody who's either a uh, generation Xer or old millennial like me, that's the reference point. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Patrick Swayze. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Demi Moore. Demi but Moore. I think it gets yeah. a lot of pieces people into my classes. Just the idea of like seeing, you know, it it really is like this captivating experience. Even watching them in the movie, you know, sort of manipulate this material, uh, it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah. 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 For sure. All right, Chris. Here's the most important question. Eaten any place good lately? Oh, I, I have a I have a list of my Rockville restaurants. Yeah, but, and I always tell people I should stop telling people about the restaurants I like because they get <laughs> they're getting more and more crowded. But my number one restaurant in Rockville is Kim. Mm. Uh, I don't know if either of you. Are no, oh, oh we talk about it. We've <laughs> talked talk about it before. Let's, let's be yeah. honest. When someone who's lived here for more than two years doesn't know about Kimmon, that tells me all I need yeah. to know about them. Right? Yeah. Like if they've never heard about it, it's like, oh, buddy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh and I, I saw that um, Bob Shanghai is uh, it got number one restaurant on one of the lists. Oh, Mar State of Maryland, yeah. not just Montgomery County. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and not number one Chinese restaurant, yeah. number, number one, yeah. one <laughs> restaurant. It, it, it's yeah. kind of bad. I feel like, um, you know, they're now taking credit card and they're doing like all these things. And I'm like, what happened? To, like, I used to have to leave to get Cash money from right. the ATM. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm like, where is my, you know. <laughs> we went last week and we hadn't been in a while. 
out. There's like a foyer it's now. Huge, yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, the food's the same. It's yeah, delicious yeah. and wonderful. <laughs> and they bring one thing at a time. It's awesome. But yeah. it was weird. Of, like, I just I went, actually tried to open the regular door because I didn't re, you know, I just was walking in yeah, the box. It was a habit. Like, oh my gosh. Have you been? Have you seen this new? No, yeah. No. The foyer? Yeah. I'll tell you when the line started coming, because I've been about Shanghai since the beginning. Yeah. And when lines started coming, I was like, oh. No. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. It's happening. Right. It's yeah. happening. I think the, the next one is I don't know if either of you go to China Bistro mm-hmm. regularly, but it's another one that's I like China Bistro. It's like, you know, they have like a million different types of dumplings. All of them are made in house. Yeah. You know, they have like a, a seasonal one. Sometimes it's pumpkin. Sometimes it's, right. you know, and it's like it's the next one that's going to become the hot spot, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Let me ask you, since you said your husband used to be a chef, what's his favorite? I'm just curious. So we're pretty pretty well aligned, um, but his, he loves Niawana Hana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like our top sushi, you know, and that's like if yeah. – I know that he, he sort of – he has a habit. I, I work at night a lot of times because I'm teaching classes, and so he'll sort of like sneak away and get dinner, and I'll know because when we go to that restaurant, he's a very sociable guy, and like they'll all know him. I'm like, hmm, how do you know these people? Because you come here, and I don't know that you come here I all am. the time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let me ask you this, since you're an artist, you know, there is different perspectives on food and, and presenting, right? There's some food that we all agree that is just really good, but you know, it's not presented. It's not meant to be that. And then there's other restaurants where it's, you know, the, the atmosphere of the restaurant and the food and the way they present it and the way they structure it sometimes, right? Cause it's more of an experience and more so than the food. So I always differentiate between like what has the best food, like no kidding, in your mouth, right? Versus, hey, from like an experience perspective, everything other than the taste of the food, do you differentiate at all? So, you know, it's interesting. I've certainly because of he he worked in fine dining for many years. And so we've, we've kind of like research and development kind of been to a lot of like really really amazing places that i probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to eat at you know or he's done um stages places that are like just unbelievable and like learns things and but i'm really on the the wavelength of like the really wonderful food like we ate um a couple days ago, not at a Rockville restaurant. It was uh, Underground Pizza Company in Silver Spring. And it is like this hole-in-the-wall place. They make Detroit-style pizza. It's just super cool. The servers, the front of the house staff was just in a great mood. They were so wonderful. And it was like, I'll take that over fine dining, kind of the stuffy fine dining any day of the week. Uh, and I think your value for – I think we left – paying $47, which isn't inexpensive, don't get me wrong, but it was like, you know, as good as like a $200. I mean, it was phenomenal. I'm like, just had a wonderful experience. The presentation was beautiful, you know, and so, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, So me, recently, I've been trying the different food trucks, right? Mm -hmm. So just a little bit of background. I, my family, we try to go out to eat often at least once a week and anytime we go out to eat we try a new place right in person we'll order from place like him and Ty all the time but uh so i've been on a food truck 
kick. And there's some food trucks that are going for like real special, like no kidding, wow. But if you've noticed, if you've lived in Rockville for any length of time, there's more and more food trucks, Mm -hmm. right? And some food trucks are really not meant to be, they're not going for like the wow factor. They're going to be for the, hey, we serve a purpose. People are hungry. You pay us money. We give you food that you're not willing to cook at home. Right? You see right, what I'm saying? Right. Like it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not like spectacular, but it's, it's something that I... So anyways, so I had a place called Jennifer's Food Truck that's been where it's at since 2019. It's on Twinbrook Parkway. I am not going to try to get listeners to believe it's anything special. But if you want a $9 burrito, right, at lunch and not wait very long... It's it fits the bill, right? If you want like you know nine dollar tacos, it fits the bill. Um, they're quick. It's it's you know better than uh, like you know McDonald's, I would say. Um, but uh, but I'm torn because I ate there right after coming back from Vegas, and Vegas is like it's like the best food, and I'm from Vegas originally. It's the best food in the world, like all over. Like it used to not be in the 80s, right? Early 90s, it had got a bad reputation. But, you know, the last 20 years, it's like the food mecca. And so uh, I've eaten at a lot of restaurants in the last week here, and I feel bad having to talk about them because I'm comparing them to similar places in Vegas. So anyways, I put that out there. Hmm. I've eaten no place new. Uh, we went to Bob's while Matt was home for Christmas, and of course, I have this love affair with the Dawson's Hot Bar because I I live within walk. I live I work. I feel like I live at my office most of the time, but I work a very short walk from Dawson's, and you can get a delicious hot lunch at the Dawson's Hot Bar for like five or six bucks. So I it it's it's a thing, and it's predictable. Like Thursday is Indian food day, and oh, they yeah. always have the same chickpeas, and so now it's like, oh my god, if they don't have the chickpeas, you know. So anyway, but. The lady who cuts my hair, she said that Pines of Rome that took over from Congressional yeah. Deli is quite good. She recommended I've, I've it. I've heard that too. I haven't gotten there because yeah. it's mostly takeout. I've it is. I've been told. I just haven't. I know they have another location, but I will get there soon. Yeah, they have, a, I guess, a, a, a real a bigger restaurant. Right. And this is like a small takeaway or, you know, it's still kind of a deli, but she said the eggplant parmesan was so good she had gone back and gotten it again. Right. They make um I don't I haven't been to the carrot one although I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um they make the best white pizza. And it's like the perfect the the original restaurant is in um on Cordell in Bethesda. Okay. And it is the epitome of what I was just talking to you about. It's like the servers are amazing, the front of the house staff is amazing. It's like unpretentious they serve you like good red wine and like little cups you know it's it's like yeah. so dreamy their food is so good yeah. so oh, I'm, nice. I'm glad to have the like carry out you know spot you know in a pinch yeah um yeah yeah that's I, great I, i'm gonna help myself a little bit because i want to come back to what you said about dawson's okay, okay. People who've listened to any other podcast know how much I hate Dawson's. Right? Yeah. We're on different wavelengths. You and Matt Perkins. Right. Yep. But I will say this. I went to the Santa event in Rockville Town Center when they mm-hmm. did the Christmas tree. And there was all these little vendors. And there was this vendor selling hot chocolate and cookies. And so we got hot chocolate and cookie for the kid and I got a cookie. Vendor didn't have like an A. I had no idea who it was. Mm-hmm. And then we ate the cookie. And it was such a great cookie. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to go up to the lady and I was like, hey, you don't have a name. Who are you? And she goes, oh, we're Dawson's. It broke my heart. <laughs> I'm telling it you. It broke my heart. I am telling you. I, Dawson's is, I don't know why you hate Dawson's. 
we don't have enough time. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I just know that I can get lunch for five or six bucks and it's hot and it's good and it's fresh. Let's just say this. If you're a business, you need to stand on your own legs. Oh, That's all oh, I'm going to say oh, about that. it, right? Like you would love for people to bail you out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's, well, not enough time, Susan. Not enough time. That's let's a difference. That doesn't mean I shouldn't eat there. That's a whole other ball of wax. Okay. That's a whole other ball of wax. It doesn't change the fact that the hot bar is delicious and inexpensive. Fair enough. There we go. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. This was a great conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. Well, we'll talk again soon.